morning. How are we? So good. Good morning if you're watching online. I've just come from Redcliffe. They say hello and happy new year to you, which is awesome. Shall we pray as we get into God's word together? Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're here. We can feel your presence and the atmosphere that's in the room as you've been glorified, Jesus, as you've been worshipped. Pray, Lord God, that in the time that we have together, that you will open our hearts and our minds around your word, that you'll speak to us what you want to say and that we'll have ears to hear and to listen. Thank you, Father, that your word is living and active and it's sharper than a two-edged sword and that it's here to help us grow. And that's the desire of our heart, Jesus, that we become more like you. So help us to do that in the time that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. This morning, I've entitled my message, Light Room. Can you say that with me? Lovely. When I was um, over Christmas, I was on Instagram a little bit more than I usually am, and I kept having this advert uh, advertised to me for presets, Light Room presets. And I think what they were telling me that was my social media feed was rather lacking in its design, and its uh, they just didn't think that my, my feed was very good and my posts were very good. And so they kept advertising to me this uh, thing called Lightroom presets. And uh, basically, I was like, what on earth is this? I don't understand. And uh, I rang up Jess Albrecht and was like, what is this? And Because uh, she's a professional photographer. And I was like, oh, uh, she explained it to me. And I understand now what it is. But what, what it was trying to get me to do was to put my pictures through a filter and, uh, and for them to look a little bit different. And so I thought I'd show you a little bit about what that looks like. If you go into some images, there you go. So it's where you take a Lightroom preset, it's where you take um, a picture and then you put it through this magical program that does something and then it, you end up with a really good picture afterwards. So it doesn't fix bad photographs, as in if it's blurry, it won't fix that. But have a look at the next one. Look at that, very beautiful. I don't know how that man ended up that tree. He's obviously working on his crunches for 2021. I will not be doing that, but it's the same picture, but just how they've adjusted things in the sliders, it's made it different. Last one. There you go. Ah, beautiful, happy couple. So it's the same thing. They're in the same place. It's not a different experience, but depending on how these things called sliders have been adjusted, it changes the aesthetics of the photograph. And as I was having this advertised to me and I was learning about this, I feel like God really spoke to me about 2021 and about how I approach it and how I think about things at the start of the year. And he began to talk to me about, Julie, what are the presets that you have? Where are the sliders in your life? And when you uh, buy Lightroom and you buy a preset, there are these different sliders that you can literally slide up and down and it adjusts the color and the saturation and the brightness and the contrast. And that's the movement of the sliders affects how the thing looks in the end. And it doesn't change the content of the picture, the picture is still the picture, it's the same thing, but it changes the aesthetic of it, it changes how it looks. And when you buy the preset, so there's all these different presets that you buy, like a light and airy one or different things, and it makes your, um, it makes your photographs have all kind of the same aesthetic. When you buy that and you apply the preset, it then automatically adjusts the uh, image 
for the aesthetic that you're after. Lisa, I was doing a bit of Facebook, not Facebook, Instagram stalking and looking at your feed. And I was like, Lisa has a beautiful aesthetic. It was like all gorgeous. And I was like, maybe Lisa has presets or she's just really good at doing what she does. And so when we're thinking about this year in 2021, and we're thinking about presets and sliders and things that we can do to change how the year is going to look, things that are going to be useful. You buy a preset because it's going to help you with three things, with speed, consistency, and simplicity. So that's why people buy these packages, because when you've got a lot of pictures to edit, it helps it to edit them quickly with the speed, it helps to edit them consistently, so there's a particular look that you're after. And it makes life a little bit more simple, because you're not having to adjust the sliders for every single image that you're wanting to change. And so today I want to talk to you about some sliders to adjust perhaps or to consider for 2021. Now when I was having these adverts advertised to me, they all cost something. You, you weren't just free ones, you had to buy them. And there is a cost to these sliders that we're going to talk about together. There is a cost to us, but I'm going to suggest to you today that the cost of adjusting the sliders is worth it for the effect that you will get in your life. It won't, or it might not change the content of 2021. What I'm going to talk to you about in just a moment, all of you will have heard before, there's nothing new in here, but, and it's not going to change the content of 2021, how it's going to happen is how the year is going to happen, but it can change how it looks and feels. If, do you understand what I'm saying? It changes how things are are presented. It changes the consistency. It will change the speed of things. It will change the simplicity of some things in our year. And it will change how we approach it and how it is affected. So the first slider that I want us to consider looking at this year that maybe we adjust it and we look at how, where am I on this slider? Do I need to up this? Do I need to change it? The first slider I want you to consider is community. Genesis 1 verse 28 very clearly says that it's not good for man to be alone. That's God talking. And even though there was this incredible atmosphere, this optimal environment where everything was great and wonderful, God still says it's not good for us to be alone. God created and instituted community. When we see right at the start, even before man is created, there is a community um, creating. It says that the Spirit was hovering over the waters of the deep. We see God there. We see the Word in John that it says it was there in the beginning. So God Himself is perfect community. That's who He is, and He institutes it, and He models it. And then when Jesus comes onto the earth, He again models community. Yes, with the people that are uh, you know, around and the crowds and different things like that. But he also models community in a smaller sense with his disciples and with people who are around him. And Jesus is the head of our collective community, and we call that the church. And so if Jesus is the head of our collective community, we have to ask ourselves, is that important to Jesus? Is the church important to Jesus? And the answer, of course, would be yes, it is important. He instituted it. He died for it. It was his idea. It was his plan to bring his good news to the earth. And so if it's important to Jesus, and I love Jesus, and I want to be more like him, and I want to um, become more like him in 2021, then the things that are important to Jesus need to become important to me. And maybe I need to look at where that is on the slider. Now, I'm preaching to the choir here because you're all in church already. So give yourself a pat on the back. Well done. Your slider is already preset and well done. 
But I just wonder, is there a sense in which that slider needs adjusting? Does it need adjusting for more community? Ephesians 2 verse 19 to 22 says this. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Jesus is the foundation of any church in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, you and I know this, but church is not a box to be ticked. It's not a thing to say, yes, we have done this. It's not a discipline to have that, that is like, oh, well, we have to do this. Church is a community that we are a part of. And it's, it's a unique thing because when you're not here, it's different. And you might think, well, Julie, that's, that's just not true. If I wasn't here this morning, nobody would notice and that's not true. You need to understand that that is not true. We notice who is here, who's not here. We talk about you. We pray for you. We're like, is this person okay? Have we seen them? You are always on our hearts and our minds. And as a staff, we love you and we care for you. And we are constantly doing that. So when you're not here, we notice it and we miss you. But it's not just the fact that the staff care and love and Pastor Mark and Nina model this so beautifully. But it's the fact that when you're not here or when one of us is not here, the atmosphere changes because Jesus knows who is going to be in the room today. And there will never, ever be, ever again, this collection of people, this configuration of Emerge Church in this day, in this way, ever again, which means that it's a unique thing that God wants to do because Every service is, is, is as unique as the people who were in it. And so when we're not here, it changes something. It changes the dynamic. And when we are here, we're not just here for ourselves. We're not just here to hear a good word or you know, enjoy the worship, although that is awesome. But we're here so that an atmosphere is created that attracts the presence of God. It says we're being built together into a dwelling place for God by His Spirit. So when we come to church, when we come out of our homes and we gather, when we participate in this, it's not just a thing that we do. We're literally creating a place where God's presence and his spirit dwells, which is amazing. It's not just a thing that we get to do. It's, it's part of who we are and it creates something unique every time that we gather because it's as unique as the people that are here. And I know for me, that sometimes I've come to church and I've said, oh, I didn't get a lot out of that message or I didn't like that speaker or you know, the worship, I wasn't really feeling it this morning. And if you've been in church any length of time, you've probably either had that conversation or thought that in your heart. But in those moments, we've somehow missed it because it's not just about us. It's about the collective experience and it's about something unique that takes place with every person that's here and the presence of God that wants to do something. And so even though I may not feel anything, me being here and worshiping Jesus and glorifying him and being part of the collective experience actually means that somebody else gets their breakthrough, that somebody else gets a word from God, that somebody else is uplifted and encouraged. And if I'm not here, I'm missing out on playing my part for that. So I wonder, in 2021, could community be a slider that we need to adjust? 
Second slide that I want us to look at is serving. Matthew 20, verse 28 says this, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You and I both know that Jesus is our ultimate example. We take our cue for everything from him. And if anybody on the earth deserved to be served, it's King Jesus. If anybody deserved to never do anything and never lift a finger and never serve anybody else, that would have been Jesus because he's just so amazing and worthy and, and just worth glorifying in every way. And yet, he modeled for us that no matter what our station, high or low in life, service is what it's about. He modeled a life of service. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 to 11 says this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Each one of us, the Bible tells us in this passage, has been given a gift, given something from heaven unique to us to build up the church, to build up the community, to build up the place where the presence of God dwells uniquely. But we've not just been given it so that we can have a nice gift and we can enjoy it ourselves. We've actually been given it with somebody else in mind. We've been given it so that we can bring it to the house of God and we can use it and work it and learn and develop and try things out and make mistakes and give it another go. We've been given those gifts, not just for ourselves, but so that other people can come in and experience the presence of God. And a really happy byproduct of us doing that is that we become more like Jesus. Because in serving, we become like him who didn't think equality with God something to be grasped, but took on the form of a servant and became a servant to all. We become more like Jesus when we serve. When we serve in church, we get our corners knocked off because we're working with other people. And server teams are wonderful, but sometimes they're full of people, which they are, and people are people, and we love people, but not everyone's personalities are the same and I've got to learn to work with people who are totally different to me. I'm an introvert, so I've got to learn to work with extroverts and people who just see the world differently and sometimes that means we rub up against each other and we just got to learn how to do things. Sometimes being on a server team brings discipline where you know we're not used to kind of having to show up on time and do things a certain way and yet that's how our team works and so it brings a measure of discipline and, and training to us. It brings a dimension of grace that we cannot experience in any other way. When we're on a server team, there's unique grace available to us. And actually, it's really fun. I know I talked about having your, your corners knocked off, and that does happen. But do you know, there's people that I never would have met when I've served in the past in different churches. There's people that I never would have been friends with, I never would have connected with had we not been on a server team together. And we've been thrust in the same team, and we're off doing something together. And then I'm like, oh, I actually really like you. You're really cool. And I think we might be friends. And, you know, or I have a conversation, and I learn something from them. And I never would have experienced that had I not been in some sort of service, some sort of team. You can make friends for life. You can learn things. There's dimensions of grace that we will never experience apart from serving and bringing our gift into the house of the Lord and using it. So I wonder, could serving be a slider 
that we need to adjust this year. Third slider that I want us to consider is prayer. Colossians 4 verse 2 says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. With these next two sliders that I'm going to talk about, I think there's often a measure of guilt when we talk about prayer. When we think about it, I've just been at Redcliffe this morning and there is such an atmosphere at Redcliffe and some of that is because the level of prayer that is there in the room, there's people who are faithfully praying week in, week out, as I know that there are here at Warner and in Morrifield as well. There's, there's people who just love prayer. And, and when I look at their prayer life, I think, oh, I'd love to pray like that. I'd love to pray like Kent. I'd love to know what it is to, to know Jesus that well, that I can talk to him in that way. And, and, and sometimes in thinking that, I can, I can feel a bit like, oh, I just don't pray enough. But I know even if we were to talk to Kent and our intercession team and we were to say to them, are you happy with the amount of prayer that you do? They would probably all say, well, I can pray more. I want to talk to Jesus more. I want to know him more. And as I was thinking about this this week, I was thinking, what, what a strange thing that if somebody said to me, are you happy with the level of communication that you have with Neil, who's my husband? I would say, well, Yes, because we have a good relationship. But if they were like, well, but do you want any more? I'd be like, well, yeah, of course I want to talk to Neil more because he's my husband and I love him. And, you know, if we had five hours together, we'd still have lots to talk about. And it might all be about lawns. He's really interested in lawns at the minute. So to look at a lot of lawns and DC things and Marvel and shoes and all different things. Very techy sometimes. I don't really understand sometimes what he's saying. But... I want to spend time with him and I want to talk to him and enough is never enough for me because I love him. And so I can spend the rest of my life talking to him and still he will surprise me with things. I think, I didn't know that about you. I, I just didn't know that. Betty and Fred, Pastor Betty and Fred, I, it's, I'm guessing that's the same that you guys have known each other so long and you've been married for so long and yet I'm guessing you still surprise each other every now and again. They're getting nods. Betty's nodding a bit more. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's relationship is not um, a standard to reach where we're like, oh, I've hit the mark now. I've hit the level of prayer that I'm now happy with because the more that we know him, the more that we talk to him, the more we love him, the more we fall in love with him and the more that there is to know and the, the different aspects of his personality and who he is come through and we find out that actually we can know him our whole lifetime and we can spend eternity with him, which we will and we will still never ever get to the bottom of how good God is and who he is and everything about him because he's God. And so however much we pray, there's always more that we can pray. There's always different ways for us to pray. But the other side of that is that we can end up feeling really guilty about that and can end up thinking, well, I, I don't pray enough and maybe how I pray is not the right way to pray. How should it look? How should prayer look? And if you were to look around now on the, on the row next to you, you just turn your eyes and just have a look at the people that are kind of on your row Prayer can look and should look as different as the people on your row, very many and varied. So as, as many of us as are in the room, that's as many different ways as prayer. And if we had all the people on the planet, that's as many different ways as it's okay to pray. Because how you pray is okay. 
It doesn't have to be a certain way. It doesn't have to look a certain way. And sometimes we get so caught up in the how and how it looks. And we compare ourselves to other people and think, oh, I don't pray like them. Well, you shouldn't because you're not them. And you don't have their relationship with Jesus. So you should pray how it works for you and Jesus. I was talking to somebody once and they were saying, Pastor Julia, I don't, I don't pray the right way. And I was like, well, that's an interesting statement. What's the right way to pray? And they said, oh, well, I, think, I think I should sit down and, and quietly pray for two hours. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm not praying the right way either. So, <laughs> all right, let's work through this together. And we had this whole conversation about why is that the right way? And why do you think that? And, 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 and how have you come to that? And, and it, listen, if that's how you pray, wonderful. I'm really pleased for you because that's obviously something that really works for you and Jesus. But this person was a real creative person. So, there was, so I asked, well, how do you pray? And they said, well, I actually really love creating things. And so as I'm creating and I'm working with fabric and different things, I actually really feel the presence of God and I end up talking to God about my friends and my family and, and I pray for people as I'm creating. And I'm like, perfect, you're doing it. You're doing it. It doesn't have to look the same way because we're all unique and different. My mum is a great baker, which is wonderful unless you're my dad's waistline. Sorry, dad. She loves to bake and she's really good at it. My dad always gets to taste things, but often she'll give things away and as she does and as she bakes and as she's whisking eggs and butter and doing all different things she's got worship music on and she's praying for the people that she's going to give these cakes to and so often they'll be at just real strategic moments and times and they'll they'll cry because of the kindness of it and part of that is because she prays over it she prays for the person that she's giving them to now if we all had to do that, one, all our waistlines would be massively expanding. And two, most of you would hate it because you don't like baking. And that's okay because that's her way. That's something that she really enjoys. And so however it looks for you, if it's praying while you're running in the morning, God bless you if that's you running in the morning. If it's you know praying in the shower, however it is, praying on the way to the work, however you do it, it doesn't matter how you do it so much as the fact that communication is happening. And as you communicate more and more, your hunger and your desire for prayer will increase because the more that you talk to Jesus, the more you fall in love with him, the more that you want to talk to him, however that looks for you. There are a few um, real practical things that I just want to suggest to you that might help you this year. First one is this app called Lectio 365. And this has really impacted my life. And I started this last year after my mum had bugged me for about six months to try it. And I was like, oh, no, mum. And then I tried it and I was like, this is amazing. And I tell everyone about it. And it's just this prayer app from the people who run the 24-7 prayer movement around the world. And it's, it's about 10 to 15 minutes and it's like a guided prayer. So they read scripture, they bring a thought around it, and then they guide you through prayer. Because what I found was, is that as I was praying, and I'm working through the list in my head, because of how my brain thinks, and I have a lack of discipline in this area, that I'm praying for this person, and then this person, and then this situation. And then my brain jumps to, oh, and you need to do this, and don't forget that at work, and don't forget to buy the roast, and you need to message that person. And before I know it, I'm like 10 minutes into thinking and planning the week, and I'm like somehow got off prayer, and I'd be like, oh, 
Lord, I'm so sorry. And then I'd, I'd get back onto my list and I'm going through again. And then somehow my brain would just wander off. And what this app has really helped me to do is just to have that focused, intense time where it's just, they literally guide me through. So I can't be thinking about something else because I'm listening for the next thing. And I listen to it maybe two or three times every morning just to work my way through it. And that has really helped me. Maybe it'll help you. There's another app called the Echo Prayer app. It's really awesome. Well, something else to consider this year is if you want to increase your prayer life, a really great way to do that is to join the prayer team, is to join the teams who consistently pray for our church and the people of our church. And I know Kent would love to talk to you about that. But we learn so much often by osmosis, by being with people who have an established relationship with Jesus. And if you struggle to know how to pray, praying with somebody else is actually a great way to do that. It's a great way to learn and to up your prayer life. And another really simple way is our prayer meetings, which are going to be starting back up in February. More details will come about that soon. But if you struggle to pray at all, and then when you try and pray on your own, it gets difficult because you don't really know what to do and your mind wanders off. Come to the prayer meetings before the six o'clock service because you're going to pray in a group of people. You don't have to pray out loud. So you're not going to feel like, you know, you're going to make a mistake or something like that. But it, I like it because you actually get to hear and see how different people pray. And that's really helpful. And it's half an hour more prayer than perhaps you've been doing recently. And that's just a really simple way to adjust the slider for 2021 and change the preset. Next slider to consider for 2021 would be Bible consumption. And I've put Bible consumption rather than Bible reading. Again, because I think when we come to Bible consumption, often we feel guilty about that. If I was to sort, talk to us and say, do you feel like you read your Bible enough last year? Probably all of us would say, no, I wish I'd read it more. I wish I could have done more and read more and understood more. And that guilt can so often get in the way of us actually consuming the Bible. Jesus calls it our daily bread, something that we ingest something that is food and life to us. But often we get so caught into thinking it has to be a certain way. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this about the scriptures and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. If I was to ask you, would you want to be competent and equipped for every good work that's going to come your way in 2021? We'd all say, yeah, I want to be competent. I want to be equipped. We might not say, yes, I want to be corrected, but we all know that we, we need correcting sometimes. And, and consuming scripture being able to have that in us is what helps us do that. It's like a mirror being held up to us where sometimes we like what we see and sometimes we're like, oh, that needs changing. But if we're not consuming scripture, then strange things happen. We end up with like weird ways of thinking and we end up sometimes going a little bit off on our own and we end up having um, skewed understandings of who God is and, and why he's doing things. And so scripture consumption, reading the Bible helps us to keep, our, li our lives aligned to the plumb line that he has set for us. Again, how you do this is an individual as there are people in the room. And if you struggle with it, let me just say, just start somewhere. 
Again, if you're doing nothing or little at the moment, don't aim for like an hour a day every day if you've not picked up your Bible in the last month because you're going to set yourself up for failure and then guilt's going to come in and then condemnation and then you're going to stop and not approach it again because of that guilt and that weight and that shame which is not from Jesus. If you've done nothing recently, just start with five minutes a day. Start with five minutes. And if you miss two days and you feel that guilt, it's not ideal, of course it's not, because we want that daily bread, but that's still five minutes more than you did in the previous week. And so keep going, keep it up, whatever works. Try lots of different things until you find something that sticks and don't let guilt get in the way. Pick it back up. If it's been somewhere in your house and you've not picked up the Bible for a while, let me encourage you today, pick it back up. It's a slider that's gonna help you in 2021. Here's some things really practical that just may help. version Bible app, brilliant. Loads of different versions. They, 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 they can read them out to you. I don't like the NIV man because he sounds super serious. He's like, in the beginning. And like, nah. So I like the ESV because he's like, he's quite peppy. He makes things, he's like, in the beginning. And I'm like, yeah. So NIV is not my favorite for listening to. I like the ESV or the NLT. But on your version, you can have the Bible read to you. And for me, there's a real um, interest in that. I actually really enjoy listening to the Bible because I find for me, I just take it in differently than if I'm sitting and reading. And I do sit and read, but and when I'm studying for things, I do it that way. But listening to the Bible, it's just, there's something different about it. And you have to know that when the original letters were being written in the New Testament, People weren't literate enough to be able to, A, have their own copy of the letter, and B, to read it. And so when you listen to the Bible, you're actually experiencing it the same way that most of the early church were. They would hear the Bible read to them. They would hear the scriptures read to them. So I really enjoy that kind of, you know, I'm hearing it the same way that they would in some way. And you vision, there's lots of reading plans. If, you know, starting at Genesis and kind of just going book by book feels a little bit overwhelming at the moment, find a reading plan that's, you know, what you feel like for the year about overcoming or, you know, something that God's talking to you about. There's so many reading plans on there that just help you to consume scripture and for it to mean something to your life. There's an app called the dailyaudiobible.com. I know Margot Biggs and Pastor Nina really love this and it reads you through the Bible in a year. It listens, you listen to it and then there's also prayer at the end. So if you wanna maybe combine those two, maybe that's something that's gonna really help. You can read the Bible with a friend. You can say, okay, we're gonna tackle Colossians together and I want you to read it in the morning and then text them what you read or something that you got out of it, something that's gonna help you stay accountable. You can listen to it on your way to the work on the work, on your way to work or the gym. The gym's gonna be rammed for the next two weeks and then it'll be really quiet so you can listen to it in the gym or, you know, whatever it is. At the minute I'm challenging myself to do what's called a 30-day Bible shred by somebody that I follow and it's basically where you try and read the whole Bible in a month in 30 days, which is a lot. It's about two and a half hours of reading or listening a day. And I was like, I don't have time for that. And then I looked at my social media usage on my phone and I was like, oh, actually I do. Okay. So I was like, no, I'm going to do it this year. So I've tried it before and I've not gotten all the way through it. But you know what? I've read more Bible, even in failing, 
I read more Bible at the start of the year than I had done previously. And so even in that, just giving it a go, having a go with things, I have it reading to me. And it's on um, times two speed. So it reads it really, really quick. <laughs> so it's like, in the beginning, what's the God? And Neil's like, that is gibberish. He's not saying anything. And I'm like, no, 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 that's survival. He's like, no, I can't understand it at all. But Neil's trying to listen in Scottish, I think, is what's happening. It's not working for him. So maybe if it was a Scottish Bible, but then I would not understand that because that's a whole other language. But listen, don't, don't get caught up in the guilt of... I haven't done this, or it doesn't look like this, or I haven't done it the way that is right. Just start somewhere. And it's like prayer. The more that you read it, the more that you'll fall in love with God and his faithfulness and how good he is and how much we need him. And so let me encourage you, maybe look at that slider and see if you want to adjust it this year. Another slider to adjust for this year could be forgiveness. Unforgiveness is one of the biggest weights that affect our relationship with God and others. And sometimes we slip into unforgiveness. Something happens and we think we've forgiven the person, but then when we see them or we hear their name or something triggers it, we, we, we have a reaction. And that's, that reaction helps us to know, oh, there's some unforgiveness there. But sometimes with unforgiveness, we intentionally step into it. When somebody has wronged us, we might say, I can't forgive that person. What they did was unforgivable. And whether you slid into unforgiveness or you've intentionally made a choice to be in unforgiveness, let me read to you three things. Ephesians 4 verse 32 says this. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Matthew 6, 15. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. The Bible's very, very clear about unforgiveness. And unforgiveness is a preset that changes everything about how we interact with God and how we interact with others. And often when it's a preset, whether you've slid into it or chosen to be in it, you don't realize that it is coloring your entire world, that it's making the same image look entirely different. And towards the end of last year, I had the privilege of walking part of a journey through with somebody in our life group who had unforgiveness in their life. And not over petty things, over significant and serious things that had been done wrong to them. And they had every right to have unforgiveness in their life, if I can put it that way. There have been serious and significant things that happened to them that if you were to know them, you would say, that person absolutely has the right to be in unforgiveness against those people in their life. But the Holy Spirit revealed it to them and through help and with the help of Pastor Joe and other people, they worked slowly through forgiving the people who had wronged them so significantly in their life. And it was a long and serious list of unforgiveness. But something really amazing happened that as they were forgiving and as they were working it through and as they were taking their steps and it was hard and it took time and it wasn't an overnight thing and it was a journey that they walked through, they physically and emotionally and spiritually changed and you could see it 
within them, that they were different. They were different on the inside. How they approached things were different. When um, an unexpected thing happened to them, they didn't respond in the same way. They responded in faith rather than fear. They kind of shook off something of a victim mentality and just walked into who they were as an overcomer. And so significant was the change in them that they looked at their life and they were like, do you know what? How I physically look doesn't match now how I feel inside. And this is what they said. I feel so light and so free. I feel so different because of the forgiveness that I've, I've given and the unforgiveness that I've let go. And because of that, they were like, how I look just doesn't match that anymore. I'm going to go out and get a whole new wardrobe. And I'm like, that's great. <laughs> and so they did. They took a friend and they got literally a whole new wardrobe. And this person is so unbelievably changed because they didn't allow unforgiveness to stay in their life and they pursued forgiveness and they changed the slider and they changed the preset. And for them, life is like night and day. It's like a before I, for, before I forgave and after I forgave. It's that much of a change. So let me encourage you. If that's something that the Holy Spirit is talking to your heart about and you know that it's time for you to start walking in forgiveness, then be led by the Holy Spirit in that. Ask someone to help you. One of the pastoral team, we would, we would be honored to walk through that journey with you. Honestly, we would. There is nothing too big that we can't walk through with you, and we would be honored to do that. But maybe unforgiveness is a slider that we need to change this year, something that is gonna help us to see things differently, that's gonna lift a whole new weight off you. Two last sliders to consider for 2021. Obedience. As I've been reading through these past few days, the Old Testament very quickly, one theme that's come out consistently is just how quickly people obeyed God. There was lots of disobeying God, but when people obeyed God, they obeyed him really quickly. It says that Noah did all that the Lord commanded him in Genesis. And then when it's talking about Abraham, Abraham has some pretty big asks of him. God says, I want you to go up onto the mountain and sacrifice your son. And it says, and the next morning he got up and he went and did it. He didn't fast for a week. He didn't talk to Sarah about it for a week. He didn't be like, oh, I don't really know if that's God. He just, he went and he did it. It also says that when God told him to circumcise every male in his camp, he just got up the next morning and did it. Which if you're a male in the camp would have been quite a shock. <laughs> we'd be like, guys, here's what we're doing today. No, <laughs> run away. But he didn't. He was just really obedient to God and very quickly. And I found that really challenging. I found that confronting to me that am I that quick to obey God? When he's asked me to do something or told me to do something, do I drag my feet on it? Do I make it take more time than it needs to? Am I trying to string it out or am I going to be quick to obey this year? Am I going to hear the voice of God and say, I'm doing it straight away? I'm not gonna wait around, I'm not gonna dilly-dally, I'm not gonna try and figure things out, but I'm just gonna go for it and I'm gonna obey the Lord. Now, if you are struggling thinking, but Julie, I don't know if I heard the voice of God, let me encourage you, go and watch Pastor Mark's message from last week, which was an absolute tour de force about how to hear the voice of God clearly and how God speaks. Because I know sometimes we can hear something and be like, God, is that you? I want to obey, but I don't know. And if that's you, go back and watch Pastor Mark's message and that will really help you with that. But let me encourage you, look at your obedience slider this year. 
Am I going to be quick? Are we going to be quick to do what God has commanded us to do? Is it going to be a reflex or am I going to wait and take my time? And the last one, as the band joins me on the stage this morning, is intentional growth. Maybe that's a slider that we need to adjust. Philippians 3 verses 12 to 14 says this, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, how many of us find ourselves in that passage, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that I have made it on my own. None of us are self-made people. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, which is very attractive considering what 2020 was, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. When we're at the start of the year, often we think about things like, you know, what am I going to budget for this year? You might have a savings goal. You might have a number that you want to get to on the scales. You might have some things that you want to achieve, holidays that we would want to do, things that we want to do. And we think about all these different things in our life. But I wonder, are we intentional about the main part of our life, which is our relationship with Jesus? Are we thinking about what do we want to achieve in God this year? Are there some spiritual goals that you might be setting this year? Because this is an upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus doesn't have a plan for you this year to stay the same as you are right now. He has a plan to move you on and to draw you further into his presence and to give you more revelation than you've ever had and to give you your hopes and your dreams and to walk with you through trials and to put things in your hand that you're just gonna go and bless other people with. He's got strategies and ways for you to grow and the different ways for you to know him this year. Breakthrough that he's got planned and stored up ready for you. But some of that only comes with us being intentional with our growth. We can be really intentional with the rest of our life. And yet when it comes to our personal and collective experience of God, we can just kind of be like, oh, well, you know, whatever happens, God will do what he wants to do. And I'll just kind of come along for the ride. But I wonder this year, what would happen if we adjusted the slider and we said, no, I'm gonna be intentional this year. Maybe we have a giving goal that we decide, you know what? I wanna be more generous this year with what God's put in my hand than ever before. Maybe we have a person to talk to about Jesus goal where we decide, you know what? I'm gonna think about who I talked to about Jesus last year and whatever that number is, however big or small, I wanna increase that this year. Maybe we could have a goal that's, about who we invited to church and who we had conversations with. And whatever that number is, seek to increase it and seek to love more people the way that Jesus would want us to. I wonder if we could adjust the slider this year to do something that's gonna make us grow as a Christian. And as a church, we're gonna talk to you about that soon, about some different things that we're putting on that are gonna be ways that you can adjust the slider, ways that you can intentionally grow spiritually and practically in your life. And when they come, if the Holy Spirit quickens it to you, do it. Make that intentional step for growth because that slider, that intentional spiritual growth will change the aesthetic of your world and your life much more than changing the aesthetic in your home, than changing the number on the scale, than changing the number in your bank accounts, however good those things are. And I'm not saying that they're bad, they are good things to do. 
But how you grow spiritually, that makes the biggest change to us all. So as we look at those sliders, if you wanna put that up on the screen, community, serving, prayer, Bible consumption, forgiveness, obedience, intentional growth. I wonder what the Holy Spirit has been talking to you about this morning. I wonder if you close your eyes with me as we come to a close and we pray together. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you've been talking to us all this morning. And as we just pause now, I pray that you highlight to us all in the room and those watching at home, a slider that you want us to adjust. Something that you want our attention to be on at the start. And it might be that there's different things throughout the year, but just talk to us, God, about that first one that you want us to adjust. Thank you, Father, that there is an upward call in Christ, that you are taking us from glory to glory. And I pray, God, that as you've spoken to us this morning, that we be quick to obey, that our heart say yes to what it is that you're asking us.